0: for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. Have you forgotten? We're still resisting. There's still so much to resist, you guys. So that's why we have to take care of ourselves. Transition. In this episode, we're going to imagine what would happen if stress were a good thing. And then we kind of roll around in the stress-based riches the administration has provided us, like Scrooge McDuck and a pile of his own money. Also, we talk a little bit about the love story in the action thriller Speed. So what do we hear about stress? It's a monster. Stress will kill you. And we work on regulating our stress. All these coping mechanisms, yoga, pranayama, meditation, kickboxing. Honestly, since November, I have had more free-floating anxiety and stress than I'm really used to. And a lot of us have. At the beginning, I was worried we'd all get used to it, you know, like, let's remember this is not normal. I don't really think that that's quite as big a threat as we thought it was going to be because this is so messed up and so monumental. It's mind boggling. And all this increased stress can't be good, right? I mean, I'm sure it will be listed as a pre-existing condition I can't get healthcare for. Recently, I went back to a TED talk I heard about stress and maybe how it's not the big bad wolf we all think it is. It's called Stress as a Friend, and the speaker is Kelly McGonigal, and I'll link to it in the show notes. She talks about a study that tracked people for eight years, and they tracked how much stress they were experiencing, and they also asked them if they believed stress was bad for them, right? Most of us do believe that. But listen to this. People who experience a lot of stress had a 43% increased risk of dying, but that's only true for the people who also believe stress is harmful for your health. People who experienced a lot of stress but did not see stress as harmful to their health were no more likely to die. Than people with low stress. In fact, they had the lowest risk of dying than anyone in the study, including people who had relatively little stress. Over the eight years, 182,000 people died not from stress, but from the belief that stress is bad for you. That puts the belief that stress is bad for you, coupled with stress, in the top 15 causes of death in the United States. What in the world? So here is the thought. If you can change your mind about stress, you can change the effects of stress. Because as we know, we have very little control over the actual thing that's stressing us out. We have very little control over the world at large. But if we can change our response, which is something we've talked about, and then change our belief about that response, it looks like we can change the outcome. So, here's where I wanna go back to something we talked about way, 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 way back in episode one tigers, tweets, and holding your breath. And that is the stress response and the definition of stress. So, let's review a little bit about the stress response. You are walking through the woods, you hear a twig break, and you think, oh my God, it's a tiger your heart pounds, your heart rate speeds up, your Blood vessels constrict, the blood rushes from your extremities into the core of the body. You have hormones pumping through your body, you have adrenaline, and then anti-stress hormones like oxytocin to protect the body from all this crazy stuff that's happening inside, your pupils dilate. It's really a domino effect. And we know that the chemical body doesn't know the difference between real and imagined stress. It doesn't know the difference between imminent danger and annoying group chat, right? The same stress response happens. Let's key into that word, the word response. Stress is not what we may think it is. Stress is not the group chat or the train delay. Stress is our response to the train delay. Stress is not the news itself. That is not stress. Stress is your response to it. The thing, the news media or the train delay or the administration that triggers a stress response is a stressor. A stressor, the thing that starts the domino effect. So that may seem like semantics. So, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to stress about it, is it really a stressor? Your response is what creates the stress. And what we've talked about before is that you have control over what happens between the first domino and the second domino. You can insert consciousness, conscious practice, different habits to create more space between the stressor and the stress response. So you can get the tweet or the group chat or hear about the train delay and not go into fight or flight. It is in part how we view the stressor and what Kelly McGonigal is saying. It's about how we view the stress itself as well that influence how it's received in the body. I'm going to pause here to say thank you. I just want to thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You guys keep me less stressed out. We're going to talk about connection and reaching out in a minute, so I'll say this up front. Let's connect. Reach out. You can find all the episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the site, yogafortherevolution.com, and on that site, you can also click the contact link and write me a note. You can also reach out on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution and on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R please do rate and or review the podcast. You can do that right in iTunes or tell a friend. You have friends, right? Because that's important. We'll get to that a little later. But for now, let's get back to the stress response, the sweating, the faster heartbeat. What McGonigal is saying is that we have an opportunity to change the way we interpret these signals. Instead of seeing those responses as bad, what if we saw them as good, as preparation for the task at hand. What if we took all those signs and instead of saying, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out, I hate this. What if we said, hell yeah, I need that extra energy. I love this, let's go. It turns out that some smart people at Harvard study this very thing. And what happens when you see your stress response as helpful instead of harmful is that the body responds just a little differently. Your heart pounds, but the blood vessels stay relaxed. You can endure more stress response. And, in fact, the effects on the brain and the body are similar to the response to love and joy. Adrenaline, oxytocin. So, interesting. Okay, I... I am not exactly saying stress is the same as joy because I can tell you the independent investigation to the president's potential obstruction of justice does not give me joy. His cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs tweets about this all being a phony winch hunt do not fill me with feelings of love. Nah. uh It feels very different than that. Am I trying to say that I can just decide that all of that BS is good for me, that I can just flip my worldview and say stress is joy and joy is stress? And then the same thing. So thank you, Mr. President. My life is now so filled with innumerable joys. I'm not ready to go that far, but let's go a little bit in that direction. So maybe stress and joy aren't exactly the same thing. I won't go tell anyone who loses their job or ends a relationship to feel joy. All right. I mean, maybe I would. Okay. But not someone enduring a tragedy because turning that from stress into joy can take time. Perspective. Pete Best doesn't go around wishing he were still in the Beatles. He actually likes his life better now. Or so he says. And I believe him. How many breakups have you had or jobs have you left where in that moment it was the worst thing that ever happened to you? But then after a while, we create joy out of it. Now I have this other better job or this other partner whom I love and we are more suited for one another. And we say it was all for the best. Fun fact, when we say all for the best, we're really hearkening back to Pete Best, happy former ex-Beatles drummer. So what does this have to do with the in-the-moment stress response? Well, well, for one, it demonstrates our ability as humans to change our perspective. It does, in fact, show that we can see things differently, that we can transform moments of personal strife into positive outcome. And that's what this whole stress-joy flip-flop would take, right? A monumental shift in perspective so I give you those examples as proof that we have the ability to do that because all of this stuff is in our heads anyway so what distress and joy or elation have in common they both amplify right they make our vision somehow more acute our senses tingle chemically there's the release of adrenaline and oxytocin oxytocin is the love drug and it is released in the body in two main situations when we are in mortal danger or perceived mortal danger, and when we're falling in love. This is why people in disaster movies fall in love with each other. Take, for example, the 1994 action thriller Speed. If you haven't seen it, and do, please, the short version is there's a bomb on a bus that will detonate if the bus slows down at all, which is dumb. Nevertheless, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves totally make out at the end. Spoiler alert which doesn't really make any sense because they come from two different worlds, you know, they have nothing in common, except that during the stressful bomb on bus circumstances, all their senses were heightened and, you know, connections were made. Here's a quote. The stress-related manifestation of oxytocin may produce physiological changes that then encourage people to seek contact with others. That is not from speed. That was found in a study that I will link to in the show notes because it's all sciencey. So people fall in love and form indelible friendships. People who have been to war together, people who have been through tragedy together, form really close bonds. That's why we use that expression that people have been in the trenches together. Because on some level we know or have experienced that going through the crap with someone somehow ties us together. And some of that bond is chemical, hormonal. And it has to do with those same stress hormones like oxytocin, stress makes us seek out connection to others, chemically. Oxytocin helps in stress recovery. It helps keep the heart healthy, the veins and arteries relaxed. Stress is helping you, if you listen to it. The President's wild mishandling of everything we hold dear about this country does not bring me joy. It does, in fact, bring me stress. I don't know if I can change my mind about that, but... It does make me want to connect, to reach out to others, to feel a bond with my fellow human beings, to talk to you. Remember the difference between the stressor and the stress response? I can't change the stressor. I can change my response. So what does all of this have to do with yoga? Why am I talking so much about science and chemicals and stress and the stress response on a podcast about self-care, and how yoga can offer you tools for self-care. Well, hopefully the leap is not that far. What I'm hoping to encourage through all of those practices of breathing, of taking walks, of letting go of social media for just a minute, is to provide you the opportunity for a little bit more space between the first domino and the second domino. Meaning, if we can put a little bit space between the stressor and the stress itself, then maybe we can change our mind about what that stress is and how we deal with it. Right? So all of the techniques we've talked about up until this point, when we talk about conscious breathing, when we talk about disconnecting, when we talk about Pratyahara, all of these are tools to use between the moment you see the tweet and the moment your body freaks out and then freaks out about freaking out, which is not good for your health. So in times of trouble, I can choose to see stress as hurting me or helping me. I can see all the headlines and my heart starts beating, And I can feel the heat of rage and my earlobes get really hot. I don't know why it goes all the way up to my earlobes, but it does. And I can either get more angry that this constant barrage of news is giving me agita, or I can see it as a sign. I can see the stress as a signal from my body to reach out, to talk it out, to be with people I love and who are important to me, and to help someone and to restore my faith in humanity. So go be with each other. I feel like this is a sermon now. What I mean is, don't let the man get you down. Don't let stress build up inside of you and make your blood vessels constrict or take it out on your kids or your neighbors or your Facebook feed. See that stress as a sign, a little flag that goes up, boop. You can see that sign, that flag, as a sign of danger or use it as a reminder to connect, to reach out and not just on social media, A ranting Facebook post is not technically reaching out. Reach out to a real human because the chemicals flow a little bit easier in person. Make a date to go for a walk with a friend. Leave Twitter at home and talk to each other. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. Sure, you have some cosmic wrath.